podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Lowe's, we know you can get the job done faster if you don't have to stop and come into the store all the time. That's why we've updated our app with your business in mind. With the app, you can build quotes, easily reorder your supplies, track orders, and much more. So you can get everything you need right away, stay on the job, finish it, and get started on the next one. Download the app today. Because Lowe's knows time is money. Lowe's knows pros. Hello and welcome to this week's gameplay podcast. Looking forward to this one. We have three guests who certainly know their gameplay. As is so often the case, I'm joined by Ed Japes. Hello, Japes. Hello, Ben. Happy to be back for another gameplay pod. I'm eager to get some tips uh, for my own gameplay because... You know, I think it's that time in the cycle where things can, you can feel like you're plateauing maybe a little bit. Mm. Um, and, you know, I'm eager to learn a little more and, you know, perhaps share some of my own thoughts on how to get the most out of these team in the season players. Yeah, certainly is that point in time, isn't it? There's a lot of very strong teams out there you're playing against as well, which isn't always the case. Uh, we also have with us, as we had on the content pod, the supporter episode this week, Matt Foot Trading. Hello, Matt. How are we doing? Hello, Ben. I'm very well. Yes, excited to talk gameplay. It's been a, uh, Quite a tricky weekend league, I think, for a lot of people with uh, mm. the league on team of the season being quite a, uh, a passion-filled um, <laughs> endeavor over the weekend. So, uh, yeah, excited to uh, get some tips and uh, get ready for Serie A team of the season this going weekend and then ultimate the weekend uh, following that. Yeah, and next up we have uh, what we were saying last time on the podcast, world record FIFA Pro signing Tom Lees, XL Tom. Welcome back to the pod. Yes, Ben. Hello, mate. It's a pleasure to be back on. It's been a few months, but uh, find ourselves here again, ready to talk about team yeah. of the season, weekend leagues, and uh, a bit more gameplay. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe League on team of the season, weekend league probably isn't that high pressure compared to some of the games you've been playing over the course of this cycle. But uh, I guess, you know, even for pro players, we had Ranners on who's obviously not exactly as active a pro as perhaps someone like yourself but he was saying that even he's found finals over team of the season quite tough in terms of the competitive games that he's played yeah <laughs> the sweat that goes on during team of the season is like no other you know just because of the rewards mm. i think when people are so highly rewarded uh yeah you definitely feel we can league go up another level and actually we normally start with a few player reviews things like that so i would be interested to hear from you know is there anyone team of the season wise you've used recently that you would say has been very good for you i know Pros tend to want to stick with a certain team. You have requirements to fit into, but is there anyone you wanted to mention? I mean, the more recent they've come out, the better, but um, from whenever, really. Uh, I'm going to give you two fairly high rollers, but two players that I think are unbelievable. Um, Jude Bellingham. I love this Future Stars card and his mm. team the season card is even better. I am obsessed with that man playing in centre midfield for me. And then someone else I went for was Luka Modric, a bit cheaper, but... Gave me flashbacks to his FIFA 19 card, where I think he had a 99 card. His 97 team of the season card is uh, very, very good as well. So yeah, them two centre midfielders, probably my two favourites so far. Tell me everything. Mm, yeah, I do, because I've struggled to get the, the most out of him, to be honest. What system are you using them or Modric in? And uh, yeah, what do you make of him particularly? Uh, I think Modric and Bellingham, for me, in two different roles. I think Bellingham is more of a, a sitting midfielder as such, someone that I wouldn't have... I normally, when I play two in midfield, so I've been playing four triple two, or uh, I've been going to the three five two as well, and the four three two one. I'd say the main three formations, and Modric is normally the left centre mid in all of them formations, and 
main aim is really because he's fairly agile, good at dribbling. You can kind of walk into the box or move forward onto his left, but then you can also cut inside and and hit that finesse on his right foot as well. So Modric's more of the attacking one, whereas Bellingham, he would be sitting in, in the middle for me. Obviously better at defending, feel that feel that physical frame like he's a bigger player. He's normally mm. my more defensive midfielder. And then, yeah, that's normally how I've always played FIFA, especially if I play a two. I have one slightly more defensive player that can uh, intercept the ball before it goes into strikers. But then I also love an agile centre midfielder like Modric who can just lead me up the pitch quicker. Obviously, good passing stats as well is always a big key for me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Modric coming in that attacking role is very, very good, useful for me. So, would you play Modric in a midfield too? Yes, but there is limitations to that. It depends on the player. It depends what you're looking for, Jates. But if you're looking for a tall kind of midfield too and you feel like you need both, then I'd say no. But if you're happy with a smaller, more agile player uh, to be in that too and kind of not defend as well as you possibly could because obviously he's not going to offer you what someone else might do in there. But then if you're willing to have that attacking role, then yeah, I'd say you can play in a two. Mm. Do you think, so this is interesting because I feel like this is probably a difference between our abilities almost. The thing I found with Modric is I felt, and I think this might be to do with his work rates as well because he's medium, medium. He just didn't like do that much for me. And I felt like I had to move him around a lot in defense and focus on that. And is that fair or do you think you can kind of pull his weight a bit better than I'm I'm saying. Uh, no, I, I would say that's fair. I would say that's fair. He definitely is lacking something. I think for me, I, I one thing I always have with my defenders and players that I want to defend, like the smaller players, I feel like are no use really. They don't really help too much. And I think Modric can go mm. into that category where obviously his frame's not great. How do we say it? Like the AI doesn't do much. When you're not controlling Modric, it does feel like the game can sometimes pass him by. Mm. But for me, it's like, does that, is that more of a, problem than how good he is going forward because when I get the ball with him let's say 35 yards out 30 yards out I feel like I can always create something and he can bring me that extra bit of magic when he walks into the box he's he's agile enough he can obviously shoot uh, pretty well as well so yeah I would say you're right in saying that that you probably are going to have to defend in a certain way with Modric whereas other centre midfielders particularly during the team the season time could probably do things a little bit better themselves in defensive third. Would you play Modric as an attacking mid instead? If you play it, like I play a 3-4-1-2. How reliant are you on skills? Are you a five-star skiller? Uh, no, no. Yeah, well, then I think, he, I think he can do that, yeah. Yeah, it's just most people would play their cams with five-star skills on the pro end, but if, if you're not if you're not too bothered about fives or skills, then yeah, I think that's probably his, his best role with two players behind him. Nice. Maybe play Pedri instead. Mm. yeah I guess yeah a pro would prefer Pedri wouldn't they I guess because he's got the five-star skills yeah Pedri popping up at all in the pro scene not much because of the the restrictions for our last tournament we just used was two team of the seasons uh, or two team of the years or two icons so most people went for R9 as one of them and then normally what was I seeing a lot of there's obviously Ruud Hullet there was Modric there was a couple some went for their centre-back some went for Ruben Diaz team of the year but no mainly because of links as well Uh, it's really hard to link these teams with the restrictions they give us and I don't think anyone really likes the um, La Liga players that aren't tots. There isn't many to go and compliment Pedri. Mm. Whereas with Modric, you had Marcelo, right? And a lot of people like Marcelo. So I think mm. you would probably have seen a lot more of Pedri if we weren't restricted in terms of the way chemistry is working at the minute. Uh, you, you probably mm. would have seen a lot more of him because I, I know a lot of pros. I'm thinking of uh, hashtag Stokes mainly. He's in love with Pedri. He's, he's got the, uh, <laughs> the thing for him. So yeah, I think Pedri is at that level but because of chemistry links and the way the game's working right now not many pros are using them there it's a weird system isn't it it made sense before but now 
with you know someone like Marcelo captain being not counted obviously as a team of the season team of the year player but is easily as good as them it's a strange way that they do it right do you think they're probably going to change that in the future having a restriction on the number of team of the season and team of the year players yeah yeah I think it's something that sounded good on paper until the team of the seasons then came out and a lot of pros are saying hold on you've got Marcelo as a foot captain's card who's as good as the team of the season and costs 1.8 million which is obviously the whole pay to win mm. thing which is why we have the restrictions <laughs> but then there's a there's a team of the season card for maybe 400k at, at 96 rated that you then can't use because he uses up a team the season slot. And in turn, we noticed the market had a real, real funny turn. Um, St. Maximin, Fantasy Foot and Dembele were really, really expensive, like 5 million each. And then as soon as the last tournament was played, they crashed straight away because no pro actually wanted to use them. It was just because mm. they were the best players that fit that restriction at the time, where the argument is, realistically, you could have a... Um, a cheaper team this season who maybe costs a million instead of say maximum it costs five million then obviously that bridges that gap uh, of pay to win and means everyone can have very similar teams but yeah i think it sounded better on paper and early in the year it worked it worked pretty fine but then the problem with the team the seasons is actually they're cheaper alternatives than these top end players and probably would have matched up the teams a little bit better in that sense mm. actually used that sam maximum over the weekend this weekend and uh i mean i got him for like three million this is on xbox and he's definitely not worth it. Like he's really good, but that's such a huge amount of coins. You know, if you think about some of the players that you can get for that price. But you know, um, I guess each their own. He's still a fun player to use. Um, but yeah, actually, so we've heard from Tom about players. We've had a few people who are pros come on and mention Bellingham. I think he's must be one of the most popular players um, in the scene at the moment. But it'll be interesting to hear from the others. Matt, who would you uh, say is a player you'd like to get a little review to? I know you mentioned quite a bit about Verratti, actually, didn't you? On the uh, on the content podcast. I'm not going to talk about Verratti because someone I'm, I'm very passionate about at the moment is, um, he's a bit of a Marmite player, I feel like. Either you love him or you hate him. Um, okay. But it's that uh, that team in the season, Lewandowski. Mm. I, don't, I don't know what it is, but I feel like people have, there's such a, you know, such an emphasis these days put on, you know, pacey five-star skillers up top, you know, you're in Bappes, you're on Ains, those kind of things. And, um, you know, a player like Lewandowski comes in and he's slightly under the radar, I feel like. Yeah. You know, currently on the market, he's only 450k on, on PlayStation, you know, but five-star weak foot. His shooting is pretty much maxed out, 99 positioning. The dribbling has been fine for me. Um, mm. 91 acceleration, 93 sprint speed. Obviously, you boost it with an engine and that goes up to sort of mid to high 90s. And he's now my favourite striker this year, purely for the fact that he's always in the right position. He makes really, really unique runs. Um, a lot of the time he'll um, sort of drift out wide. and you know, He's the, the same instructions I've been using on, on my strikers all year. But yeah, he just makes really unique runs. He's always in the right position. Uh, he's got the passing to, to sort of play quick one-twos. And if you get him in the box, five-star weak foot, most of the time he's putting it in the back of the net and that's what you want your striker to do. Sure, he might not be the most flashy with only four-star skills. Um, only has 89 agility with the engine, but for me, that doesn't matter. He, he puts the ball in the back of the net. And in a year where it's quite difficult to actually get a positive goal return with all the you know, the friendlies and the golden goals and the gifted wins, mm. he's still getting a positive goal return in elite division rivals and uh, sort of champs finals and playoffs. So, Yeah, although is he anywhere near Japes, your 
Porto striker you mentioned on the content pod. Yeah, I was going to say Robert Lewandowski's no Medi Taremi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is there anyone else you wanted to mention here? I mean, I, I really like, uh, we'll go like with an oddball pick, but I really like that Acuna card. Super, super versatile. Mm, yeah, so um, you've been playing a bit in midfield, have you? Yeah. Yeah, I've been using him as a central midfielder, more by necessity. I would prefer, you know, he's we're sort of talking player size. I would sort of prefer someone bigger in that role, but he's hyper-aggressive, which kind of makes up for it in some ways in my mind. Not 100%, but, you know, he's he does a pretty good job as being the more defensive uh, mm. one of my midfield two. Yeah, talking of which, actually, I spoke as well enough about Verratti on the content podcast. Felt he's worth the uh, fodder, but, you know, maybe isn't exceptional. Um, but, yeah, good value. The player who's exceptional value, though, is Dante, the objective. Not too difficult to complete, doesn't take that long. And he's such a good centre-back. I mean, he's left-footed, which is nice. 38 years old, I noticed, but max pace with a shadow. Pretty much max defending with a shadow, high strength. Maybe jumping is the only slight letdown at 82. His aggression isn't phenomenal, but, you know, it's definitely good enough. And he's really good on the ball. Uh, the left foot means you can play him left centre-back in a three or just left centre-back in a two. He's going to help you out too. His passing uh, feels really good. It's mid-90s. He's got the high defensive, low attacking work rate. Just been so impressed by him. And he's someone that I think is a no-brainer. Um, even if you're not sure you're going to use him, um, you could end up getting a link, which is going to help you out big time. So definitely worth picking him up if you can spare the time. Right, as we often do, a little chat about tactics. So, Tom, why don't you start us off here? What tactics have you been using? Do you have one particular one uh, you pretty much play all the time or how's it working for you at the moment? It's funny we talk about this, Ben. I remember coming on the podcast um, earlier in the season and I was saying that I'm very, very stubborn with tactics and that normally at the pro level you see that it's only one or two that work and, you know, I just match them if it's mm. all going wrong. Uh, I come as a wiser man these days. I've changed my ways a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's kind of exploded. And it's because of the podcast, yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, at the pro scene, it's kind of exploded this whole formation, the use of mm. coaches as well, like the amount of coaches there is now that, that are studying the game and working out how tactics work. And I think this year is probably the most tactically flexible pro scene I've seen maybe since FIFA 18 I think there was a lot of formations used in FIFA 18 but this is definitely the most I've seen many formations being used um, I think it mainly started in February there was a pro player called Rodrigo that played the 4-3-2-1 with an overlapping left back but a stay back whilst attacking mm. right back so like a proper real life tactic yeah he, he <laughs> blew away Tex in the final Tex, safe to say Tex was caught off guard by it and that kind of just started this whole chain reaction I think of many formations being used we then saw 3-5-2 um, from Damien at the Premier League which blew up we have 4-3-2-1 and then obviously your your standard 4-4-2 or 4-2 but yeah I would say they're the main formations right now and from the tournament I played last Monday I was using all three just depending on how my opponent was setting up uh, and I've never paused the mm. game so much, you know, I just check other people's tactics now in the game. You're not just <laughs> playing anymore. You have to check how the other person's playing um, and see what they're using and constantly adapting to who you're playing now. It's interesting because I saw, I think it was maybe an NA pro 
saying that it's ridiculous that we as pros now have to be so aware of the tactical battle. If you want to play tactics, go play football manager. You know, <laughs> do you, is it something that you don't like? Because I know that... Wait, who said yeah. that? Well, name and shame, Ben. I genuinely can't remember who it was. And uh, I don't want to call out the wrong NA pro, so we'll leave it there. But <laughs> the gist is there are plenty of pros out there who are unhappy with the fact that essentially being tactically astute and uh, intelligent is something that they don't want to see in FIFA. Go play a shooting game if that's how you feel. Well, yeah, exactly. I, I do think it should be part of a football simulator. And I was interested to know, Tom, why that is the case and whether you think that too. I think the argument came from probably pros being stubborn uh, this is obviously something new to us. Like we've had three years of just like focusing on game mechanics and how to how to win by playing the game. And then mm. obviously this brand new element has come in where if you you could easily get out formationed or outplayed because of the formation they're playing now. And well, at first you obviously want to say, oh, this is rubbish, this is crap. Like when I was struggling to adapt, I was one of them people saying that. But I now see it that this this whole thing just elevates the the esport and the game to another level. It, it means you can play a variety of different ways, which is what we've all asked for in FIFA. Uh, obviously, the last couple of years have been a, what, 4-2-3-1 and 4-4-2 fest a lot of the time. And that is people's, a lot of people's complaint when they watch FIFA at the top level is, oh, well, it's just the same people doing the same things over and over again. So I think for a viewer's perspective, and even from a player's now, you're seeing the players that are mainly coached the best or most prepared going into a tournament that can win games, mm. which I think is only a good thing. I think that adds to another skill level that, a coach has now become essential. You need to be ready to play three, four formations at any time. You need to be comfortable doing them as well. And yeah, I now see that it adds it adds another dimension to pro FIFA that wasn't there previously. And, and I think particularly for the, the big events that are coming up, it should it adds a whole new mm. thing for people to watch and be interested in. And obviously, I think it helps people support pros as well when they have a different formation or they come in doing something different. People like to see that. They don't like to see the same thing happening over and over again. So, mm. yeah, I think overall, it, it can only be a positive thing going forward. Yeah, I to add to that, Ben, and you know this, I've been like one of the struggles for years for FIFA Esports in my mind was that commentators like you know richard and so on you have a limited amount of things mm, to talk about yeah, or discuss yeah. and most esports titles that have really really risen to prominence there is there are game mechanics their strategy there's a lot of different things that commentators have to hit on that can be really exciting or impressive to inform the viewer about and really kind of like enhance the overall viewing experience of it because you're not watching the same thing over and over and over again and this element now like getting properly like introduced into the pro scene is fantastic i'd imagine and i haven't you know candidly watched as much pro fifa this year as i have in past years but i'd imagine you see a lot of the same still you know foot items or cards being used but there are probably some pros that play certain styles or want to play you know a certain way that are you know cherry picking cards that have specific attributes and introducing them into the game and the pro scene which is fantastic for the viewer yeah adding that new level now where there there is much more of a tactical element it's from a viewing perspective there's a lot more to be engaged with because yeah you're not just watching the same 442 you're not just watching the f same 4231 with the same 11 
And it's just a case of, you know, which player can sort of bounce their way through and get a bit of RNG to win the game. There is now that element where, you know, people try to outthink each other from a tactical perspective. And, you know, it's great to see that people have to change up their styles to, you know, match up a, a 3-5-2 and, and try and, you know, beat these 4-3-2-1s with a, you know, one side being overloaded. I think it's fantastic. And it's exactly what the eSport needs. And yeah, I think the E-Champions League from from you know, a gameplay perspective was actually one of the more exciting ones I've I've watched in recent times because of that that tactical element. And um, you know, fair play that the the coaching element is uh becoming more more prevalent. I think that's a, a great way to to go. You know, you look at all these these other esports, all these top esports teams, they have coaches. Mm. Um I think FIFA, you know, the fact that we're getting into that in FIFA esports is a good sign and hopefully FIFA 23 provides that sort of uh, that gameplay that does sort of lend itself towards you know more tactical fluidity and people trying to outthink each other and um, yeah hopefully the esport pushes on definitely yeah and it'll be interesting to see what happens with it especially with Richard's insight he gave uh, a few weeks ago about the potential for an improvement in the esports scene with the ending of the FIFA deal in part two we'll talk gameplay advice and tips but also hopefully finally get those tactics from Tom. Uh, we'll catch you again in just a second. Hello, listener. A quick reminder, or perhaps the first time learning, that Foot Weekly, strangely, for quite some time, wasn't able to be weekly. But fortunately, a listener encouraged me to start a patron, and that means that Foot Weekly is able to run two times a week, one on the main feed, one on the supporter feed, if you fancy joining up now and supporting the pod, it's just £3 a month and you do get double the podcast content every week as a bit of a thank you. On the tiers above, you've got things like the Discord community, which is a fantastic place full of tips and a great group of people. If any of that interests you, you'd like to contribute and you'd like loads of perks in return, then do head over and search Support Foot Weekly to make your pledge. You can also follow uh, the link in the description of the pod or you could go to bit.ly slash more pod. If you do consider it, then a huge, huge thank you. It really does mean it a lot. And if you are supporting, then a huge thank you to you too. Let's get back into the pod. Hello, welcome back to part two. And we had a question which we sort of answered or at least answered partly in part one. Uh, Joe asking what could make FIFA esports more engaging and we're going to move on to some gameplay tips things like that in a second but it's notable that what we were saying does actually drive engagement because Dami who came on the podcast to talk about the 352 he did a YouTube video and it was really popular about that formation and I guess it does show that there is interest in it as long as it relates to people's foot experience and I was wondering, just before we move on, Tom, anything else you wanted to add in terms of things that could make uh, the scene more interesting to people? Firstly, what you said about Damey, I massively agree on. Mm. I think if you're going to make FIFA esports hit the potential that it could hit, I personally see esports as a thing of, I would watch an esport if I want to get better at that game. Mm. A lot of the time, I would then want to watch the pros play it and that kind of thing. And I think obviously this year, the system isn't great for that in terms of foot champs isn't as rewarding as it once was and hmm. and rivals you only I, I hear a lot of people say oh i just play my seven games and i stop so my argument is well you're not going to come and watch me then are you because you don't want to get better at the game so i think that is one thing that's helped with the formations and stuff is if we can get more people to want to get better at the game and enjoy playing the game hmm. at that kind of level you're then going to have higher viewership and higher following for all pros and the, and the fifa scene yeah. fifa esports scene in general so yeah i think that will be a big thing i think the tactics are big 
Yeah, well, it's also something people can relatively straightforwardly go out and try, whereas with something like, I don't know, a mechanical skill, it's not necessarily something everyone yeah. can do or, or has the personnel to do too. I mean, for a long time, Ben, it was like beyond that, the problem. Like these pros have outrageous teams mm. that the average viewer can't get a hold of. Yeah. And it takes away from it because you see something and you're like, yeah, I want to, you know, I want to play like the pro does. And in in games like League of Legends, you can do that. You go out and you can, you know, easily own the champion or pick up a champion. It's not a big deal from a, uh, like, I guess the cost perspective, or a lot of times people already have the champions. And so you can try to replicate. It's the same thing, like watching a professional, you know, you watch a professional football match, you can go outside and kick a ball and try to replicate something that you've just seen in the professional match. Are you going to be able to do it? No, because, well, you're not a professional footballer. However, you can like still go out with friends and try it and have a good time. Mm. And for FIFA, sure, you could have try to have like the same tactics, but you really can't pull them off without the like these like elite elite cards now with the differences in tactics or like them seemingly being more important even if you don't have the exact same team as the pros you still might be able to try to replicate some of the play style because you can out tactic someone this mm. year yeah and even if you have the worst team this is the first year where i've like been you know i mentioned it before like i come up against r9 and i just like don't care because i feel like my center backs are pretty good and i have tactics that i like and they work for me. So it makes me happy. Yeah, yeah. We should probably move on to more kind of gameplay related questions we've had in because I know uh, Tom, I'm sure, will be able to provide some insights on that. But before we do, I think what I was saying is uh, when we started this whole discussion, which was great, was about uh, the tactics you're playing. So just quickly, just to kind of fill people in, what are the three that you actually go for uh, primarily? Four, four, triple two is the first one. That's like my balance formation. That's just my comfortable one from earlier in the year one that i've learned quite a lot um three five two and the four three two one are the the main three i'm going for right now yeah here's the real question why not the three four one two <laughs> <laughs> um i actually don't know I, i've only ever tried the three five two mainly because it just matched what a lot of people were using and i kind of just followed that way through but i'll be honest i think i, I see no reason why the three four one two couldn't be a thing as well try the three four one two when you get matched with somebody using a four four two what's the what's the thought process what are we the the cms match up better on their cms oh, okay. um and you you're able to shut that space down in the midfield like quite a bit better yeah so would you that say with sense. the four triple two that wouldn't necessarily be the case because the, the thing about the four, sure. four two right is you have the sentiments further forward so they match up better. yeah that, i can see that that, that does make sense yeah and then with the three five two do you have your cdms on completely balanced because I think that's something that Dami was saying when he was on and it was actually interesting because as Jake was saying he was keyed on the 3-4-1-2 instead and that actually also pushes the centre mids kind of further forward and that's what Dami was trying to do with his centre mids or do you still have the like pivot box to box combo like you do with the 4-4-2? I was still using the pivot box to box but this is mainly because um, I think it's something that I've gained from practicing with Tex a lot. We have a lot of reliance on our main players being involved in the game mm. as opposed to overloading the box. We prefer like having just our four or five attackers uh, and then going from there instead of the centre mids like taking their space, going further forward, if that makes sense. Mm. Basically, I like to start on the 
stay back whilst tacking on the right DM and maybe have the left DM on balance. But then as soon as I'm struggling or if I'm not feeling like I'm creative enough, then yeah, I'm willing to push them both on and just go balance. But for me, I like um, kind of just in build up scoring, scoring and creating chances with the front four usually. And then obviously the cam behind as well. Mm -hmm. uh, I like to just have, try and isolate and get one V ones with them players. But yeah, I'm willing to, to make that change if, for like the top defenders, I'm looking at particularly the two Argentines, um, Nicholas and Matthias. They are probably the two best defenders I've ever seen play FIFA. So I'm in a situation like that, I'm willing to bomb both centre mids on and uh, try and create a bit more panic in the uh, midfield area. What do you think makes them such good defenders? Oh, what is it? Their, their player switching is perfect. Their use of the second man press is perfect and the way they can read perfectly timed tackles as well and reading the play they won't ever tackle unless they know they're getting the ball which i think is a great skill because for me i'm always always trying to get the ball back i'm always trying to get it back as soon as possible like i'll press tackle probably too many times in a game but when you watch these two it's like the the timing the timing of everything they do is, is pretty much perfect in defense are they letting the player come onto them a fair bit or are they more aggressive in their defensive style yeah they're not they're not too aggressive but mm. they will make sure I, I think what I feel in game is that it's hard to play through the lines. Like it's hard to get round them and get into that mm. area where a lot, a lot of the time you're looking for isolated instance in the box where the defender has to guess themselves where I say, okay, I'm going to go one way or the other here and you're going to have to guess me. Um, you don't get many of them situations against Nicholas and, and Matthias. They, they stop you before you can get there. Mm. It's not because of a crazy high press. They won't go and nick the ball back. Let's say in your own defensive third, it's mainly the midfield third where you'll probably get a bit impatient and you probably think, oh, I want to I want to try and go for it. And they've just got every angle uh, covered pretty well. Like they cut all passing lanes off perfectly. And then actually that leads us nicely onto this question um, from FootBS. He says, it seems to me that with every team having team of season defenders now, defences have become even more solid. I feel like I'm just playing against a packed brick wall every game. Is there something I can do uh, tactically that can help? Like, is it better to use a one or two striker formation on the sliders, should I be looking for more or less width or more or less players in the box, for example? Uh, it feels like if I try to overload them, it just creates more bodies in the box to block shots. And actually, I think that kind of relates to what you were just saying about those very defensive players. And actually, what you then do is commit more players to the attack, right? And yeah, would you say that is your kind of go-to approach? Is there anything against those very deep blocks? I mean, obviously... <laughs> it's a very very high level this is being played at but that people can kind of take away something from that might help them in those situations uh, i think trying to break down a, a deep block i always recommend that that three five two because you get the width you get the right wing back and the left wing back that can particularly if you're using them as attacking players uh for mm. me i like i normally have had mendez as a left wing back and um it will be normally like a winger that will play right wing back for me where my right back will then tuck into into the back three. So for me, I would say definitely a formation like a 3-5-2 where you can use both wings. Don't be scared to use both wings as well, like switching the ball out and, and trying to make them make a mistake where they're not comfortable. So if you're just going to bomb it down the middle too quickly, you might have problems. You know, it's, It becomes easy for them to read, but I'd use the width of the pitch as possible. Um, I always recommend a two, two strike formation or a three strike formation. When I say three strike formation, I mean like a four, three, two, one, where you've got the right forward and left forward. Mm. I would never really play one up front against, against that kind of player. No, it'd always, always be two or three. And uh, yeah, players in the box are usually put on seven and um, 
yeah, put a few more bodies in there just to just to give someone a, a different thought thought train. Uh, having centre mids arrive in the box gives them something else to work on. But obviously, you are going to be a bit more susceptible to counter attacks as well. <laughs> yeah, and I guess as a top level player, you're also kind of happy to have a few players trying to block shots in the box because you'll use you know your ability in one-on-one you know, -on -one situations to create space for shots right this is something you see yeah. pros doing a lot you know although i'm sure blocks are annoying too in terms of your mechanics in the box you're probably pretty good at creating those opportunities um i guess extra passes people uh, are really big on this year as well right <laughs> yeah that that is the um <laughs> the aim of the game at the pro level something mm. that i figured in about november and it hasn't changed since uh, there's something which is why the two striker formation is a must because whenever you have the right striker if you shoot it's probably more likely to get blocked but a lot of the time if you are in the box you look you look across your left striker pass it and shoot first time the the extra mm. pass works well uh, and on that what i always recommend to people is to not sprint in the box too much if you're trying to break someone down that's part of the bus not holding sprint can be a, a massive win because you get more control over what you're doing. You obviously the pass is more accurate as well. And it's a mistake I noticed with a lot of people that I've been trying to help that they're often holding sprint or they're just looking to shoot straight away. But this this game requires a little bit more composure around the box mm. uh, to get your goals. Yeah, that's actually one of the reasons why I've gone back to playing a false nine. And I know it's not a true two striker formation, but it is almost a three striker formation. Um, but the strikes are very wide. But actually the midfielders come into the box so much that you find those extra passes all the time and i think around team of the season time has really helped because those late runs and the pass across to them just huge and will create you so many chances or, or goals really not even chances that you wouldn't have created otherwise what about you matt in terms of that you know people having very packed defenses full of team of the season players what are your kind of go-to approaches i know you're not necessarily a Somebody who does a lot of skills, so I guess for you it might be extra passes too. Yeah, I am a complete left stick merchant. <laughs> if I, I think if I sat down and spent a lot of time like trying to perfect skilling, I, I could get there. But I've been very much just someone that if I have a five star skiller, I am very much L1 Elastico, L1 Elastico. Like that's all I can do. So I think I'm much better with you know good left stick and around the box. I, I, I think that's maybe come from a lot of time playing pro clubs back in the day mm. where you're you know constantly taking on two or three sort of human control players at once and, and sort of getting the idea is you know which way is the best way to go with a left stick um so yeah it's very much just left stick quick passing quick tiki taka obviously the extra pass i think you know as tom mentioned it's it's not just the meta it's you have to do it to break down these these defenses you know auto blocks they're still still pretty good not as bad as as 21 but um or 20 and 21 but um certainly um you know you need those extra passes so yeah for me a lot of left stick tiki taka and uh using those extra passes with the two strikers just to pitch in quickly on that a, a pattern of play that i see a lot that breaks down these defenses particularly what that formation i mentioned earlier with the one fullback on overlap is like to get the ball out to the left back and then try and work your way down the box so from left back into maybe centre mid or striker or left forward and then work that extra pass across down the box. Um, works with a 3-5-2 as well. If you watch a lot of Damie's E-Premier League gameplay, you'll see it starts with the right wing back and then it comes inside and within two, three passes, it's the the killer move and the last person kind of has a shot on goal for the extra pass. So, 
yeah, something I definitely work with um, is like starting your attack out wide and then mm. bringing it in quickly to to find that extra pass. When you when you find that pass inside, are you going sort of straight from the wide player into the striker, or will it be sort of back into a centre mid, and then you know firing that pass first time into a striker and then across to the other striker? Which one? Which one do you go for most? Do you reckon so? Both are actually really good. So a lot of a lot, one of my main principles gameplay is to recycle into the centre midfielder. I don't want to get caught out wide for too long. So bring it into centre midfielder and then look to a striker can work. But with like the four three two one and the three five two is the the players are closer to you in the box when you start out wide and you can just go straight into a striker from there. But obviously in a four triple two, there's not as many bodies. You kind of have to rely on yourself a little bit more. And that's when I'll go into a centre midfielder to then kind of pull them away and then bring the striker in. But yeah, both can work. For me, I would say I'd normally recycle into centre midfielder, but if you're aware of the spaces and how you want to play with them, them formations that overload, like the 4-3-2-1 or the 3-5-2, then you can definitely work it straight into the into the box from the wing wing position. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. And would, with the 4-3-2-1, uh, do you have a video for that? Because like, we've actually talked about it a fair bit on the podcast because not in depth but in passing because Richard brought it up and then so did Ranners actually do you have your tactics shared somewhere if people want to try that out because it is something that I think people would probably find quite fun that overloads down one side something I've done a bit this cycle and it is a lot of uh, what is very satisfying when you get it right and it ha- and it, it comes together I'm not sure if I've actually put it on YouTube because I showed the narrow on my YouTube which kind of works the same but obviously I've evolved it mm. back into the 4-3-2-1 now but the main aim is the more attacking midfield the more attacking fullback you have stays on balanced attack and overlap as a player instruction and then the um the other fullback is on stay back whilst attacking and there's a team called Dire Wolves that used it in the 2v2 team the season cup and they they worked it perfectly it's like you get a lot of small passing options in build up so when you're building up from your center back you get a lot of passes obviously you've got three center mids available at all times and then the main aim is if you can work it down one side and then get the switch on to, let's say, the left-back's your more attacking player. Uh, I use Marcelo, foot captains at the minute, or Mendes. Hmm. If you can get it to them, and then obviously they bring it inside, I think the right forward and left forward are on stay central and get in behind is the instruction. Uh, I can definitely link you it after this mm-hmm. podcast. I think Shuri's got it on YouTube, uh, hashtag Shuri. He's got a video okay, yeah, yeah. Um, on the tactic. That'd be great. And then I, I can just put it in the description or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he so. released it uh, as Rodrigo discovered it in about February. So... I could definitely give you that. It's uh, although it's three months ago, it's something that we all, all the pro players are still using now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's like the main aim is obviously the overlapping fullback and then the three strikers on on stay central, just to basically pack them into the box together. And they can obviously that the main aim is quick passing, right? Get people close to you. Uh, it's a lot of X passes are used, so mm-hmm. that's the way it works. Yeah, yeah. Well, that sounds interesting. Great. All right. Well. Thank you very much, Tom, for joining us on this podcast. It was uh, great to get your insight and, and good luck with yeah, uh, competitive play ahead. Thank you very much, Ben. It's a pleasure to catch up with everyone. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's been great. And we should say actually where where can people find you if they want to you know, follow you on uh, social media or on YouTube, etc. Uh, all social media, I think, is Tom Lease underscore these days. Just my name and then underscore at the end. Perfect. Great. Um, no, great to have you on the pod. And to Matt, it's been great to have you on the podcast. Plenty of gameplay over on your stream. Well, a lot of packs, but also some gameplay as well. <laughs> Yeah, certainly we got to we got to use these pack pool players at some point. So uh, yeah, we'll have a lot of packs for the rest of League One team of the season and Serie A next week. 
uh, and some gameplay on the weekends, uh, twitch.tv slash trading, and you can see that from around 6pm most weekdays. Perfect. Fantastic. And finally to Japes, thank you very much for uh, joining us on this podcast. Still nowhere to watch your gameplay, but uh, we'll be thinking about it anyway. I appreciate that, Ben. Uh, <laughs> my gameplay you know, permanently lives on in spirit and seeing 352 in the competitive scene always does the hard good. So anytime a player is, you know, using a 352, I'm not going to take credit for it. Well, because that would be outrageous. It's nice to see the three at the back renaissance. I, I love so much that um, there's new formations getting introduced. So I think I'm yeah. going to have to tune into a little. Uh, yeah, yeah. Check out some pro scene action. Competitive schedule. Yeah, yeah. Great. I, I need, need Tom's match schedule. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, I think the two v two big two v two event um, qualifying for the Club World Cup is on the 9th of June, which is the next big one, and then one v one tournaments is okay. the playoff on the first of July. So we've got a month until the the playoffs, which is like the big. I think the best thirty two players make the World Cup from there. So yeah, my next one is 9th of June two v two, which uh, should be an interesting experience. Nice. Yeah, we'll tune in definitely and. If any listeners do, if any listeners have any thoughts on anything they've heard on this podcast, then do write in, uh, send a message in via FootWeeklyPod on Twitter or FootWeekly at Mail.com or any way which is easiest for you. Always good to talk gameplay. Plenty more to talk about, I'm sure, in the coming weeks, especially over the summer with the build-up not far away to FIFA 23. The last FIFA, of course. Um, but thank you very much to all the guests today. Thank you very much to all you listeners. Remember, you can subscribe via all the different podcast platforms if you'd like to. And if you'd like an extra pod every week, this week that would be the content pod, then you can do that via Patreon. Just search Support Foot Weekly. And to all those supporters, thank you very much for supporting the pod, keeping it going. Uh, it really is a great pleasure to be putting this out for everyone. And a big thank you to those icon patrons. Dave B, Coach Vass, Chris W., DJ FIFA player, Hugh J, Steve C, Matt L, Alistair, Alan G, Anthony R, Dominic, Rob P, L, Jeff B, Christopher R, Stephen F, Michael, Tom B, Damon H, Nick Jack M, Eric T, Roger D, Alex M, Dan W, Sila P, Matt H, Harry P, Neil P, Adam G, At Pace of a Tortoise, Brian S, Andrew C, Sam K, Jake G, Michael P, Zach O, Springford, Dominic G, Adam HC, Adam R, Andy H, Joe W, Dylan, Orion B, Mindor L, and Tim J. Plus a special thanks to Luke M, Dave B, Hugh J, Tom M, Darren W, and Pato Foot for advice and production assistance. Before I leave you though, just one more thing to add. FIFA is a bit like life really. It has its many ups and its many downs. And if you are having a few more downs than ups in real life in these more difficult times, then please don't feel that you're alone or need to struggle on without taking action. If you go to thecalmzone.net, there's loads of resources, advice and support, or even just a chat available to anyone who needs it. If it sounds like it could help you, then head over to thecalmzone.net. And for now, I'll catch you on the next podcast. Almost did a review here of the Golden Bappe, who I used mainly for Camrys <laughs> over the weekend. Uh, he's just still ridiculous. What? Who has ever said that they've used Mbappe for Cam reasons? <laughs> that is the yeah, most ridiculous that thing that's ever come out of your <laughs> <laughs> pen. Well, no, I had to have a struggling for Verratti, so 
it made sense. And he's 100 and something K now, so. Flashback Akari, where is he? <laughs> Weren't you just talking about having packed like Marquinhos a zillion times yeah. and how great Nuno Mendes is and... Yeah, well, I, I only got Nuno Mendes after because he was in red. So you you just needed another PSG <laughs> hyperlink to have well, an entire PSG. 11. And they had to be a French forward because I was using that Sam Maximin, as I was saying. So it, it, honestly, he was the only player pretty much I could use. And you've gone to the dark side. I know. It was funny because, you know, last week you were saying I'm proud to say that I've never played a through ball to Mbappe in FIFA 22. And I was like, oh, yeah, I can say the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's just right out real quick. End of yeah, that. Well, I'll, I'll probably move on from Mbappe. want to try some other players, but yeah. At Lowe's, we know you can get the job done faster if you don't have to stop and come into the store all the time. That's why we've updated our app with your business in mind. With the app, you can build quotes, easily reorder your supplies, track orders, and much more. So you can get everything you need right away, stay on the job, finish it, and get started on the next one. Download the app today. Because Lowe's knows time is money. Lowe's knows pros. Sports Social Podcast Network.